Welcome to Friends on Air, a podcast presented to you by the Friendship Circle of Pittsburgh. On this podcast, our teen hosts discuss real life with real people. We hope to inspire others by sharing stories of individuals and pairs of friends who have dealt with mental health challenges or just the ups and downs of life and discussing what brought them healing and inner peace. In these episodes, we also talk about the role that friendship and connection plays in a person's emotional well-being. Subscribe to this podcast to be a part of our Friends on Air family. Friends on Air! Hi, welcome to Friends on Air. My name is Chaya Hordener. I'm 17 years old and I'm going to be the teen host of the day. Hi, Haya. My name is Ali. I'm the wellness coordinator at the Friendship Circle. I have a background in counseling and psychology, and I am so passionate about social connections, and I'm excited to hear the messages that we're going to be talking about today. Woohoo! <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Ayala Rosenthal. I'm the teen member engagement and partnerships coordinator at Friendship Circle, which basically means I get to be the friend, hang out here, and have a good time. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so this is Heather Tomko, and we want to know a little bit more about you. So can you tell us your name, where you're from, what you do? Hi, I'm so excited to be here with all of you today. I am Heather. Um, I was born and raised here in Pittsburgh, and then I went to undergrad at Carnegie Mellon and grad school at Pitt, so I have many Pittsburgh universities covered. I work at Pitt's National Center on Family Support, which is a center uh, focused on research and outreach for unpaid family caregivers. It was very exciting to start working there since I rely on both paid and unpaid caregivers myself. So it was nice to take my personal passion into my professional life as well. And then I also have a blog and a social media presence called The Heather Report, where I share a little bit about my life as a disabled woman. You have like, what is it, like 5,000 followers? Close, yeah. Wow. So exciting. That's really awesome. awesome. The Heather Report. Yeah, Heather you should check it out. The Heather Report. <laughs> so in one sentence, can you tell us what you're here to talk about today? So I'm going to talk a little bit about the positive side of social media. I know we hear a lot about the negatives and they're certainly there, but I'm gonna talk about how social media really helped me find my community online and connect with them and really helped me come to fully embrace my identity as a disabled woman. Wow, thank you. So every time we have a question of the day, question of the podcast. So we're gonna ask, pick one of these sticks and then ask the question that we'll all answer. Okay. Describe the most beautiful thing you have ever seen. That's, mm. that's a hard one. I can start. Um, so this is a beautiful experience, we'll mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big, big, big musical theater fan mm. and um a few months after it won the tony awards i got to see hamilton in new york on broadway not with the whole original cast 
but with some of them. And it was such a moment I had built up in my head and one of those times where the reality exceeds the expectations and just mm-hmm. being there in that room with the energy and the, it was it was amazing and it was a really really beautiful experience I will never forget that sounds really awesome That's so cool I recently went to a Broadway show too I had the same experience it was like it's the most powerful thing to be in a room really, where, like, really. I have yet to go. Oh, my gosh. You would love it. It's like, it, try it now. energy is just amazing. Yeah. I went to Aladdin recently, and the genie, the first thing he said was, like, I think it was, like, this first week of their opening uh-huh. post-COVID. And it, like, makes me emotional to think about <laughs> the yeah. genie. He basically came out and was, like, it's been a long, whatever, like. 18 months or however long yeah. it had been I started bawling like right then and there because everybody just was like clapping and screaming yeah, and it was like yeah. it was the coolest energy. thing yeah okay I guess I'll go next um this is like really hard one for me because there are like five things pop in my mind but I'm gonna say the most recent one because it happened two days ago I woke up at 5 a.m and it had rained the day the night before so the whole just everything was all foggy and the trees kind of blended. They were dark in the front and then blended. It looked like a painting. I felt like I was in a book in like a fairy forest, rainforest with like magical creatures. It was so so cool. Yeah. Where, like, where did you see it? I was sitting on my porch. That is so And I was on Forbes, which is a busy street, but there was no one out. And if I looked like one direction, I looked and it was not as, beautiful but just because it was like the more happening part yeah. of the street but where there was just trees and just even like the angles of the houses I'll show you pictures but yeah. I mean mm-hmm. the people on the podcast listening won't <laughs> see the pictures but just know it was really beautiful it. but for That's like so podcast cool. listeners like do you, you guys ever just have like a moment in time that you wish you could just like take a photo and I hope somebody will play those back That's for what me that was. Like those little moments end up being so beautiful so yeah. yes I, like, Definitely. wanted to freeze time. That's so cool. And then, like, I went inside or went to the gym, and then I came back, and it was gone. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go another day that it rains, make sure that I'm up early and see it again. So, for me, like, I'm an, I'm an artist. I'm a very visual person, so I could say, like, a number of things similar to kind of what you're saying, and I, I love going to concerts, too. But I decided that I'm going to be a little vulnerable and say, like, the, the first thing that actually popped into my head hearing this question was um, on our wedding day, uh, just like seeing my husband, he broke into a big smile when he saw me like coming out and going down the aisle and he was just so happy. And like, I have that picture in my brain forever and it is the best thing to me. So cute. I want. Everyone's getting emotional here with this question. Um, I kind of already answered when I tagged off of Heather's experience but I guess mine would be one of mine would be um coming upstairs and seeing my dog on my bed (laughs) (laughs) because I don't know it like every time I see it it just like warms my heart he's just like sitting there waiting like I've been waiting for you girl (laughs) um and it's just like the sweetest thing and his face is so cute and yeah that's probably one of the most beautiful I, what was the question? <laughs> what is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? Okay, in your life? I, yeah, I think that is one of the most beautiful I things I've ever seen. I can't believe that my dog is real and is mine and not a sexy animal. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Anybody can show me pictures of their dog. Send in pictures to the friendship <laughs> circle. Yeah. I have some to show you after. You know, oh my gosh, we should have that like a page where everyone can send their pictures. Yes. Yeah. Send <laughs> pictures of your pets. Yeah. <laughs> Tag me in all of them, and I will appreciate each and every. Yeah. Okay, so Heather, before we get deeper into our discussion, um, can you tell us more about your story, who you are? Uh, what of, are some of the things that you are passionate about? Yes. So I have, I think the thing that is most noticeable in person and is always strange now um, in the times of Zoom and certainly over podcasts is that I use a power wheelchair. I never have to explain it in person. It is the first thing you see, but online, on a podcast on Zoom, it's not always as noticeable. So I have spinal muscular atrophy, or SMA, which is a uh, genetic progressive neuromuscular disease. And um, basically it means that all of my muscles are weaker. So I've never been able to walk. I've used a power chair since I was around two years old with many dents in the walls to prove it as I, <laughs> as I learned to drive. Um, so, How old were you when you started? Around two, I think. Oh, wow. Very young. I had a, my first wheelchair was a pink and purple officially Mattel branded Barbie wheelchair, <laughs> which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister has the same disease and had the same wheelchair. That's She's a year and a half younger than I am. So we were known as the girls in the Barbie wheelchairs for, <laughs> for much of our life, even after the Barbie wheelchairs had been retired. <laughs> the identity really stuck. Um, <laughs> But it was a it was a very fun first wheelchair to have as a as a little kid. Mm-hmm. So I obviously am passionate about disability advocacy, um, but also about disability representation in general and kind of the way that disability intersects with each and every part of my life. So I'm also passionate about musical theater and then our theaters accessible both on stage and in the audience i'm passionate about clothes and how disability friendly art clothes and how it can be hard for me to shop and to like express myself through my style the way that everyone else can very passionate about my dog Lily, who's a Yorkie, um, could talk for a long time about that, but that is a very different podcast. <laughs> um, so a lot of what I talk about is kind of how disability, my disability really does impact kind of each and every part of my life in different ways. So I guess that kind of leads into the next question, actually, which is what are some of the struggles that you face through your experiences um, and what has brought you healing and what helps you get through tougher situations? So I think it's really interesting in being born with a disability rather than 
becoming disabled later in life is that it was always my normal. I don't mm -hmm. know what it's like to not be disabled. So it was never, I never had to come to terms with it in that same way. And having a sister with the same disability helped me not to ever feel totally alone mm -hmm. because there was always someone who at least was having a similar experience. Right. But what felt normal to me did not feel normal to the rest of the world. And so a lot of the struggles I faced were more with society still mm -hmm. not being very accessible, both in terms of just like stares out in public, which still happens today. I'm like, there's a difference between a little kid staring, which I actually almost encourage because kids are curious and I want them to be curious about disability. I want them to ask questions and to think of it in the way that they would be curious about anything else they see. I don't want them to be told to be quiet, to not stare, because then they internalize that as a bad thing and it perpetuates that stigma that disability is bad. Yeah. But when adults who know better stare, it's a very, very different feeling, especially when you're just, you know, trying to go out for your coffee. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you always have to be on? Yeah. Um, most days, I'm pretty used to it. So it doesn't bother me. But some days, you know, it's just that final straw that you're just not in the mood for it. And then a lot of things are still very, very, very inaccessible. Mm -hmm. I think that the world often thinks that because the Americans with Disabilities Act exists, that accessibility is fixed and it's done. Um, that is so far from the case. You know, there are a lot of buildings here in Pittsburgh that I can't get into because there are steps. And I have a 250-pound wheelchair, so when people tell me, oh, we just carry you in, I have to be like, that's that not safe work. for you. <laughs> it's not safe for me. It's not one step might as well be 100 because it's not going to work for me. Um, so. It's those things that I don't really think about them day to day because they are normal to me, but they're always there. They're always present in the back of my mind. It's like this extra layer of stress and anxiety that I'm always dealing with. When you were like a young kid, was, I don't know, how accessible were like schools and clubs so, and stuff like that? So a lot of schools that I went to um, were made accessible because of me, mm -hmm. at least in my school district. So I was born in 1988. The ADA passed in 1990. So I very much grew up with the ADA, um, and things had to be changed because I went to public schools out in the suburbs of Pittsburgh with the rest of my classmates. Um, so elevators had to be added 
a lot of construction was done up to my my entry in whatever the school was. Well, just for anybody that doesn't know, the ADA is the Americans with Disabilities Act, which was like the landmark law um, that it's civil rights law, so it means that people with disabilities have the same rights to access places that non-disabled people do. Which is very important. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that really has helped me get through it is my friends and family, um, both in person and online. I had I made a great group of friends back in, I think, elementary school, many of which I'm still close with today. And having that group of friends really helped, I think, normalize my experience growing up. I wasn't left out. I always say, if I was bullied, it didn't happen to my face, so I didn't know about it. Um, and I think I was really, really, really lucky yeah. yeah. To have that because it helped me feel included. Um, at a time when I was the only person who used a wheelchair, other than my sister, often in my school of hundreds. Wow. So thank you for sharing. I really <laughs> love your answers. They're very authentic <laughs> and real. And you just seem so very confident in who you are. And I'm wondering, like, what was the process to embracing your identity and how would you suggest others become more com comfortable um, with celebrating themselves? So, it, process is the right phrase exactly. Yeah. It, 33 year old me is much, much, much more confident in who I am than 13 year old me was. Right. Um, so when I was younger, obviously I knew I couldn't hide my disability because even 10 and 13 year old me had a big power wheelchair, you can't hide it. But I tried as hard as possible to draw attention away from it. You know, I would say I wasn't defined by my disability. It didn't, it didn't want to, I would never have introduced myself as disabled ever. Um, I didn't really have other friends with disabilities. Part of it was that, you know, it's hard to find other people with yeah. disabilities back in, 1995, when there's no Instagram, there's no Facebook, mm -hmm. the internet was not what it is now. Mm -hmm. But I also didn't search for those other people because I knew if I was hanging out in a group of other disabled people, all people would see was a group of disabled people. And I did not want to be seen as just disabled. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you fast forward a few years. Um, I went to college at Carnegie Mellon. I lived on my own in the dorms for the first time. It was also my first time 
ever having anyone other than my parents help me with my care. So I can't get in and out of my wheelchair by myself. I can't use the bathroom by myself. I can't shower. Um, so that was an adjustment in and of itself. But I also really had to advocate for myself and for my needs for the first time because my parents weren't there to do it for me. So that was the first start into a way like my disability really does impact my life a lot. I can't ignore it the same way I did in high school or else I'm really in a struggle in my four years here. And even looking back on it now, there's a lot more I could have done to make my time there easier, but I was really hesitant to ask for the accommodations. Um, you know, a lot of the classrooms are the stadium-style seating auditoriums where the seats are built in. And so I would hold all my books and my notebook on my lap because I couldn't sit in one of those seats. I never once asked for a desk to be brought in for me. Like, why? 33-year-old me would be like, no, I need a desk. Mm -hmm. But even, you know, 20-year-old me didn't want to be seen as different. I didn't want to have to ask for that accommodation. I didn't want to be different than the rest of my classmates. Yeah. Um, so I asked for the bare minimum that I needed to get through my time there. Mm -hmm. So that was like my baby step into, oh, maybe, maybe I really am different than everyone else and I need to start being okay with that. But then I think the, the biggest step forward was in 2018, I competed in and then won the Ms. Military USA pageant. Oh, which is very so cool. fun. Yeah. Um, and it was the first time I had ever been with that many other disabled women at the time in a room ever. And we all had different disabilities, we all had very different life experiences, but we connected really, really quickly because just the fact of living as a disabled woman in the world that we live in, it's so many shared experiences and it, it was just, I realized I was missing that in my life, my normal life outside of the pageant. I didn't want to lose that small community I had started to build. I realized kind of the benefit of making those connections. Mm -hmm. um, and so I took that home with me, with my crown, and said, okay, how can I continue this? in my life because I don't want to go back to 
trying to downplay my disability. Like this is really important to me and important in my life and I need to make sure I don't forget that. Yeah, embracing yourself. Yes, and so that was kind of the first step forward. You know, when you have a title of Miss Wheelchair USA, you can't really downplay your disability because it's right there in the title. (laughs) So I think that kind of helped me start to fully embrace it as as a big part of who I am, which it already was, but I was just more comfortable with saying, yes, this is part of me. Right. That's really amazing. Yeah, well, you were able to do that. Um, and so you're an upcoming social media influencer uh, and an online blogger. <laughs> and I just want to know what your general view on the world of social media is, because I know there is a lot of negativity that is there, kind of there is. built in. There is. Um, you know, I think it all depends on how you use it. Mm-hmm. And I decided to use it for two main things. One was to help people understand what it means to be disabled um, and to help them understand the many ways it affects my life. It's kind of educating, but in a fun way. So if I can make someone understand that like my disability affects the clothes that I wear and the places that I travel, maybe they'll be a little more aware of that the next time they are out and about. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I feel like the best way I can advocate is just by existing because people are still very surprised often when they see me doing very normal things. Um, But I also use it to start to build that community online that I had found in person at the pageant. And I think that if you can use social media as a tool to make connections and to build community, it can be the positives can outweigh the negatives. It's all in how you use it. Yeah, so the positives and the negatives kind of simultaneously impacted you and the way you use social media. Yes. Um, So sometimes when you try to use social media to advocate, it can be frustrating. Yeah. So I I can talk about um, maybe probably three or four years ago now, but time is a blurry thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of talk about banning plastic straws. If you're here with me in the room, you can see that I have a number of plastic straws with me because I can't drink without them. Um, and me, along with many disabled people online, tried to explain the need for plastic straws for the disabled community. And 
people are not always open to hearing about our experiences. They always had a counter argument. They had decided that our that we were wrong about our lived experiences. It didn't really matter what we said. And I had to take a step back from from trying to advocate online because it was demoralizing um, to be told over and over that they're wrong about their own life. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. Um, but but I think it's okay to know when you need to take a step back online um, and when you can say I did my best and it is not healthy anymore for me to engage in this manner. And so I maybe would text a friend about it instead of sending it out there via tweet because I knew that I just was getting too frustrated. Um, and that was not healthy. And that's when, because like, I know for myself, well, I have a very loving relationship with social media, but sometimes it's like such a positive place where you're empowered by what people are posting. Sometimes like when I see my friends like living their beautiful life, it like makes me so happy. It's like emotional. (laughs) And in those ways, I think it's positive. But then, yeah, like you're saying, sometimes it's like everybody feels like they can say whatever they want to say, that it's just so frustrating to be on a platform where Mm -hmm. like, people are behind screens, you know, nobody sees their face. And so they don't care what they're writing or who it's affecting. Anonymity gives people a real sense of power Mm -hmm. that they would not feel in a face-to-face interaction. Yeah, that's very true. I've had my share of experience with that by like going on social media and kind of like putting out a message or talking about something like through a video and um, getting a lot of like feedback on what I was saying and and a lot of it was positive but then there was times where people would not agree with what I had to say now that's not doesn't mean I'm going to change what I say and that's not going to change my opinion but it's frustrating it's like can you please just see it from also my point of view like I'm relating to you I'm listening to you I I hear where you're coming from now like please reciprocate that because you always just very positive things thank you no I think you know I don't mind if someone is interacting with me even if they disagree yeah if they are open to having a conversation exactly it's the people that have already decided that you're wrong yeah and that it doesn't matter what you say but i just have to say i'm checking out have a life i don't this is not useful for either yeah. of us right. not something um, you want to engage in exactly yeah, because uh, I, yeah. I was just thinking, like, for our listeners, um, it can be really hard, first of all, to even be aware and check in with yourself and yeah. think, like, okay, like, I was fine when this conversation started. Ten minutes into it, I'm feeling this way. So, again, in the moment, checking in on yourself, I think you're advocating is very important. Yeah. Secondly, I just want to know, um, how do you create, and you might not be able to do this completely. This is just a question. Like, how do you create a platform where you can keep some of that negativity away? So I think I have been very lucky, but but it's not just luck. Um, in that my, my online community, my following, if you will, has been largely positive. I very rarely get 
negative comments when they think it is that I I curate very carefully the people that I follow and then that in turn the people that will share my accounts are people I know and trust and have already kind of vetted in a way. Um, I very, very strongly feel that you should only follow people that add value to your life. Mm -hmm. If something annoys you, if you find yourself getting upset by someone you follow online, I very easily think you should unfollow them. Yeah. It is social media is something that should build connections for you and should add to your life. And if it's doing the opposite, I think it's okay to unfollow. It's okay to say, I enjoyed learning about you before, but now I need to check out because you are making me upset. And that's, that's you can only control your own actions and not someone else's. Mm -hmm. So you have to do what makes you happiest and healthiest. And it's hard sometimes because you can find yourself getting caught up and like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Mm -hmm. Why did they do this? But the minute you take them off your screen, you don't have to worry about it anymore. You don't have to think about it anymore. Um, and, and it's your social media account. It should be what adds to your life. You don't need to worry about the person who often you might not even know right. on, yeah. on the other side of the screen. The anonymous account, exactly. user 152379. <laughs> that was so well said. Like, like we don't often like think about somebody who would come into our life and you know, maybe they visited me five times during my work day and just said something negative to me. I'd be like, please don't Get visit out. me at work anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, exactly. it's our social media. We, like, like know that it's an algorithm, too. So it's like, yeah, I can't believe I didn't think of that. Just, like, keep those people out of your algorithm. And if mm -hmm. they pop up, too, it's like, we just know they're probably not right. necessarily like, right. the most But, like, even the people that you find Yeah, and the people that you choose to follow yeah. will create, will will collect more of those same negative people. Like exactly. yeah, the algorithm will suggest right. people that are like the people you felt yeah. like. You also get like random like spam users. Yeah. And you can always just block too, you know? I mean it's something that's not like you can do in life, but that's a one of I guess you could take as either positive or negative, but yeah. in life like you can't just be like well, I'm Blocking you, like, playing a black yeah. screen. I think that was in, like, this show or something yeah. that you could actually block someone and they would, like, blur out. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know what it's called. Yeah. I don't remember, it's but... Really funny. Um, black Mirror. Mm -hmm. but, <laughs> yeah. That was. I remember that episode. Yeah. That, I think it was a rating episode, right? Yeah, the okay, rating one. <laughs> so um, crazy. But, like, that's what social media... I mean, that's something cool. Like, if someone is bothering you, you can just be like, bye. Yeah. Not gonna, absolutely. Not gonna, yeah. You're giving us good advice for relationships. Uh... <laughs> IRL, no. <laughs> <laughs> IRL. Honestly. <Bye>. Yeah. <laughs> no, and so I think, you know, what I've done with my social media is build that community that I that I want in real life. Um, because often so SMA is a rare disease. Um, there aren't I don't know many people 
in real life that have it because it's rare. And so I've used most of the Instagrams and Facebook to find other people with SMA and to connect with them and to really often become good friends with people that I never would have had the chance to meet in person because we live all over the U.S. And then I expanded that beyond just SMA to other people with other disabilities as well um, because I want that diverse disability community online that I can't, can't necessarily have in real life. And I've learned so much from people online and it's something that I wish I had in my teen years, in my 20s, because I think I would have been a lot more willing to embrace disability as a part of me if I had seen so many other people who were embracing disability as part of them. It is powerful to see yourself in so many other people. Representation really is important, whether it's on TV, on your Instagram, in real life. Um, so I think that for all of the downsides that social media has, for me, having the ability to build those connections far outweighs anything bad that social media has for me. Thank you. Okay, so this to me is like really crazy, <laughs> but 70, okay. So we collected 70, some statistics. Here. Yeah. Okay. 72% of teens and 48% of parents feel the need to immediately respond to texts, social networking messages, and other notifications. 69% of parents and 78% of teens checking their devices at least hourly. Do you have any recommendations for teens on how to stay balanced? And how do you benefit from social media without having it suck you in too much? That's that's what happens to me. Yeah, that's what it's like made to do, literally. Yeah. It's mean, it a huge do. time suck. It, I think it happens to everyone. Like, I can scroll through my Instagram feed and click and click and not realize how much time has gone by. Yeah. I think that growing up without the social media of today helps me a little bit because I have other things that I like to do. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. and, like no and, other young person. Right. Right. Because, you know, when you don't grow up with social media, it's not as embedded in your life. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still very often find myself mindlessly on Instagram and then stopping myself and saying, what do you I haven't, I don't know what I just saw. What did I watch? No idea, which is the habit. Um, but I think, I do think a lot of it is really being conscious about who you follow and only following people who add value to your life. So that if you do find yourself scrolling away, you are at least having a positive experience and not a negative one. Right. Um, I have not yet done it personally, but I do think there's value to kind of those screen time limits that your phones have. And then I think 
my favorite thing to do is like sit down my phone, open a book, and that I'd love to read. And really just like letting myself get lost in that Me too. rather than lost in Instagram. It's a nice little break from the constant interruptions that social media brings. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So like finding other like finding other things to yes. turn to aside for your phone. And nobody likes to hear it, but setting time limits on yourself. Yes. Uh, so I try to like in the morning and I used to have a healthier lifestyle in the morning, but now I'm just being honest. Like I will like eat my breakfast and I'll have about thirty minutes of social media time and then I shut it off. Yeah. Like that's so, it. Yeah. Yeah. So I follow online. Um I'll her Instagram <laughs> name is read and write. Her last name is W-R-I-G-H-T, right? Oh, cool. And she introduced to me her mute reading. So because we're all working from home now, she takes whatever 30 minutes she would have spent on her commute and reads in the morning. So I started doing that. I read on an iPad, um, so it's always out in there. And I've started doing that first thing when I wake up instead of scrolling Instagram. And I really like it. Like, even if it's 15 minutes, I'm starting my place, my day in a very different place than I would have if I had spent those 15 minutes on Instagram. The way you wake up really, like, sets up your day. It does, exactly. it, It really does. If I wake up, if I sit on a phone and I notice myself doing it, and it was like my whole day was just thrown off and if you get so sucked into it then you waste so much yeah. time yes. that is so sad and it's yes. kind of depleting and then the rest of your day yeah. is kind of like that's literally me i need it's to just not out a i would i can i say one yeah, thing please. this is what i did so in like so hard which i guess it's a art seminary thing um everyone made their own screen time plans and the one that i did was that I have an iPad and a phone. So my iPad is in placement of like a laptop. So you can use a laptop or anything. But basically, you delete all your social media off your phone and it goes on the iPad. And you don't carry an iPad with you around, you know? Um, And so, first of all, you're not allowed to touch the iPad until you've done your whole like morning routine. Mm -hmm. Um, And the phone you can't touch for like let's say 30 minutes. So it's a little bit less than the iPad. So you can check, you know, if you got a text or a call um, and people can wait, you know? Yeah. No, yes. There's no rush. People are, can wait. Yeah. You know, like I think it, that's really smart about the computer thing. Cause like the other day I deleted Instagram and yay. I know, well, let's wait. Cause it comes right back on very easily. It's back on already. But the point is that like, it takes extra effort to like, Type in the web route, like type in the website, exactly. or to like go online to take so, out the iPad, take out the laptop, and it's, it's more that like it's just a habit. Like I'll just automatically, like exactly. sometimes I'll look at my phone and just be like, "Wait, what am I doing? Oh, I'm yeah. looking for Instagram, and it's not there." <laughs> but like I didn't even real, like I didn't even realize that I went to do that. Right. So I think that's really smart. I to, like, haven't have had it extra step for like a month. I still do it. Good job. That's no, amazing. no, I still like scroll like to see. I, like I'll go on my phone and I'll just absent mindedly just like yeah. switch oh. the screen and I'll be like, what am I doing? I have nothing on here. I'll like go to my photos because there's just nothing there. And I'll so like what? And turn it off. Also another thing is like with presents, just 
like if you're walking if i have like a bag just put your phone in your bag because right. what's the point of having it in your hand yeah like if you need to yeah also like if you get a text it's more to like take it out of the bag mm-hmm. than just like if it's in your hand you're obviously going to look at it and then also the second you pick up your phone you're on it you're on it yeah you get sucked in so if it's out of sight out of mind then it makes it and a lot easier as a military user who has been almost locked into mm-hmm. many times by someone looking yeah. at their phone instead of in front of them on the sidewalk. I'm very much in favor yeah. of that. Yeah. In the literature, it's okay to not be doing something at every minute of the day. Be aware of your surroundings, be present. Yeah. Instagram will still be there for you. I, mm-hmm. I truly still love it, but I don't want it to take over my life exactly mm-hmm. so and it's I, all about balance yeah balance. you guys have given such concrete like behavioral examples of how i can better my life I'm, yes, <laughs> i'm gonna go home and change now, my life listen, listen i'm not saying that i don't just substitute a book for instagram and spend five hours just reading and not stopping but it at least feels healthier mm-hmm. um doing that than scrolling yeah and I think you mentioned these are some healthy ba- behaviors, uh, things we can do for ourselves. But you also said, like, just being a little bit more mindful and being present can actually help those around us. Yes. Um, I think you hit on a really <laughs> important point. Like, it's not always about us, too. Right. It's about connection. That's the theme of yeah. uh, the show what we're doing right now. This episode, I'm kind of wondering, and this might be a little off topic, but in terms of advocating it, it must be tiring to go at it alone. I see you say your connection with your friends and your family, people who are passionate about helping you. Um, that's important to you. Like, how can we, now that we are connected to you through this episode, uh, how can we advocate for you in like little and big ways? So I think one of the best ways and tying in social media is a lot of your way to follow disabled people online. Um, it's, you know, there is, this is a lot to get into, but there is a real bias in the algorithm because algorithms are written by humans and humans are biased. And it can be really, really, really hard for disabled people to get their message out there because the algorithm tends to be biased against us. Mm-hmm. Um, so when out of your way to add disabled people to your feed, helps you learn and helps disabled people have a way to get their message and then share their posts, you know? I mean, it sounds so silly and easy, but it actually does matter. It does help things get seen. Share the social posts yeah. to people with disabilities, things that matter to you in terms of social justice. That's such an easy thing to do. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And then I think, you know, in person, in in real life, being just a little more aware of inaccessibility that still exists everywhere and making sure that in spaces that you have some power in, that you try to raise accessibility issues and really try to bring disabled people into those spaces so that they can advocate for themselves. It's a fine line of advocating for disabled issues and talking over people with disabilities. 
So, yes, help spread the messages of continued societal inaccessibility, but also try to bring disabled people with you whenever you're in a space where you have that power is really, really important. Awesome. Do you have a favorite song or book or hobby or, or quote, something that helped you heal um, or something that just brings you joy? So I mentioned that I love to read. Like, I really, I have loved to read since I was a kid. I have pictures of me when I was in there after visiting the library and I'm resting my chin on the stack of books that I have, mm-hmm. because that's how high the, the pile was. Um, mm-hmm. I moved on to reading on my iPad because it's more accessible for me. But um, I think, especially because I love to travel, but it can be hard for me. I think reading is a really great way to travel and learn about other I people and places without without physically doing it. Um, I refuse to pick a favorite book because <laughs> it so would change every, every week. <laughs> um, and then I also will say unabashedly that the entire musical catalog of Taylor Swift brings <laughs> me great joy. And, and I'm fine with that as a third year old. <laughs> Do you have a favorite album? Again, I don't know why you would make me pick. Um, as it currently, folklore uh, has a lot of airplay for me. Yeah. Nice. I truly yeah. could name a song and I could sing the entire lyrics. <laughs> I might need to get some book recommendations for yeah. you. Yeah. If anyone wants, I have a few. Hi, do you want to answer the question? Oh, uh, sure, I guess. Yes. Um, here, wait, I'm going to just say a book quickly okay. that is, like, really good that if you didn't read, then you should totally read it. Also, because you like musical theater. And so um, the five magical, seven magical strings of Frankie Pe- Presto. I think it's seven or five. Oh, cool. I have not read it. Mitch album. Oh, I know. Okay. So good. So poetic and beautiful. <laughs> and, like, really, you you travel with the character, too, in the book. Like, there's a, there's a lot of traveling in there. And it's just so cool. really well written. So, if anyone's interested. Yeah. 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 It's getting marked out. I've only obviously read Tuesdays with Mori, like everybody mm-hmm. else. Okay. I haven't even read that. Okay. okay. Um, but I, I really, really liked it. I did a grief counseling, like, bibliotherapy session based off of it. Oh. It was very fun and um, I like to read too, guys. I'm relating to everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you said Taylor Swift, and I'm going to tell you my thing for now has been like trying to get back to the gym and just like move my body in a healthy way. And I went to Zumba today, Ooh. and um, Taylor Swift "Shake It Off" is still the most fun <laughs> thing to dance to. Love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday I was randomly feeling Taylor Swift as well, which I don't usually do. So yeah. It was, it was, I don't it was remember the last time I was in Taylor Swift, but everyone's giving me some like inspiration. So I don't listen to Taylor Swift's like some new album or something. Also, you can. One of my coworkers was <laughs> talking about how like she has this evolution and how like her evolution has matched up with her own life. 
that like her and Taylor are just like in it together. Yeah, because it started off like happy and then you know took a little dark turn. Then she got like emotional. <laughs> it's like a whole a whole roller coaster ride. Yeah, like life. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here at Friendship Circle, our core mission is to be a good friend. How has friendship and connection with others played a role in your life and in your journey? So I think that I would not be who I am today without the friends that I made when I was very young that I talked about earlier. Um, I think they helped me feel normal when I was with them growing up. And when you're disabled and you're young and all you want is to fit in, that is invaluable. And I don't think they realized they were doing it. I didn't realize they were doing it. But having that really great group of friends helped me be comfortable and confident when I was younger and didn't really kind of articulated what that meant. Um, and then I think now being aware and able, being aware of the fact that I need more disabled friends, um, that that is important to me and helps me be more confident in myself. Um, being able to make those connections online played just such a huge role in the last five or 10 years of my life. It really helped me go from saying I'm disabled, but it doesn't really define me to no, I am disabled and it does define me, but it's not the only thing about me to I am disabled and I'm proud of who I am and that is a journey and an experience that is just so important to to who I am today um so being able to make those connections is just played a role that I can't even fully put into words so thank you so much. Yeah. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so thank you, Heather, for being willing to contribute and share your experiences. I really enjoyed it. I think everyone did. Today we talked about social media and pros and cons, and we talked about connection and your relationship with others and your relationship with yourself. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we hope that you'll continue to grow with us as we share inspiration and friendship and mental health stories and so resources in our future episodes. If you'd like to hear more stories and episodes like this, subscribe to our podcast. It's on all streaming platforms. Yes. Uh, wishing you well, and thanks for being a part of our friendship family. Signing, Signing off, off from Friends on Air. Woo!